You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 114 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mowry. What's up, my man, Blasco? Everything is fine over here. How are you doing today? All good. Um, I would like to say uh, thanks for uh, our listeners for hanging in there. Our schedules haven't been so aligned to where we can be nailing the cons- consistent weekly drops, but um, here we are. 114, and I think everyone's going to be stoked. Uh, I wanted to also mention early at the top, we had a laugh at some point over the course of the last few weeks, because I believe on the last episode, we were talking about social media and posting and how to present your brand. And the one thing that I said not to do was to post pictures (laughs) of your headstock at rehearsal or in the studio. And what is one of the first things that we see from a band that I personally know and have coached and mentored along the way? They clearly don't listen to the show. So um, they posted a photo of the back of the dude's headstock in like I couldn't even believe it. Like this is what I yeah. just said not to do. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. I remember you text me a photo and I was kind of like, what is this? And you're like, you can't make this stuff up. And then the little <laughs> light bulb went off over my head. And it's like, either either our phones and computers are listening to us, yes. or the world is playing some sort of funny joke on all of us. Yeah. But anyway, thanks everyone for listening and um, applying our knowledge of uh, what we're given to you. So anyway, in the last episode, we chatted about some tips for succeeding as an independent artist. That was a really great episode. So check it out if you haven't already. Uh, This week, we talk about preparation. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. Oh, yeah. Um, So I found this article by Chris Chris Robley. He's one of the guys that does the the, uh, the CD Baby DIY Musician podcast, which is really great. Yeah, Um, that is an awesome one. Yeah, if you haven't uh, checked it out already. I actually got invited – to the their music their DIY musician conference that CD Baby hosts in August, um, which is I guess a pretty big deal as far as uh, musician conferences go. And I got invited to host the like the the makeover panel thing or whatever, like where you take a band and you make them over. But I will be on tour in August, so I couldn't work it out like on a on a day off. Ah oh, man, yeah. yeah, that that that's awesome. I I when I listen to that podcast, which I haven't done in a little bit, I always hear him talking about the conference, and it sounds like a fantastic thing. So it's a bummer that da, you won't da. be able to make it. 
I know. Uh, anyway, his article is called Five Things You Need to Have Ready Before You Tell Anyone About Your Music. Hence, us talking about being prepared today. Um, it starts off like this. It's true whether you're asking someone in the industry for help or sitting in the barber's chair and fumbling for the words when they ask, what kind of music do you make? Talking about your music might be a waste of time unless you have, number one, a unique description for your music. You don't hesitate when someone asks your name, right? If your music is one of the most important aspects of your life, you should be able to unapologetically and succinctly describe it the same way you tell someone your name. The more intriguing the descriptor, the better. Wow, this is really cool. And it brings me back to an exercise I did uh, probably like two years ago. And it was an artist that we were working with on the label side. And they kept describing themselves by using other bands. And they were trying to fuse a couple genres. And of course, I think they thought that they were, you know, a trap, uh, you know, trap beats band meets, you know, progressive metal or whatever it was. And so it kept, you know, Post Malone was all the rage at the time. And of course, the Deftones were an influence. So it just kept coming back to some version of what well, we sound like the Deftones meets Post Malone. Yeah. And I was like, no, you don't. You know, like, like that's actually not what you sound like. Those might be your influences. And so it was cool for me because I, I really had to try to pull out of them what made up their sound, right? And it's a really hard thing to do if you want to go down to the granular level and not just com- consistently use references. Now, mind you, references are important. Um, but you know, the exercise that we went through was really getting down to like, okay, you know, what, what is, what are you, you know? Yes, you're playing riffs. What kind of riffs are you playing? You know, are they distorted? Are they clean? You know, what is all of these things? And it was really kind of painful in a sense, because so many of us, myself included, typically reference other notable, you know, properties when you know, trying to describe ourselves. And so I love this. And, you know, with that experience, I've always tried to look a little bit deeper and not just rely on, you know, things that, again, are influences, but not truly, as he says, a unique description for your music. What do you think, which one would you prefer if someone kind of gave you specific references, like band references, like, uh, you know, if we're kind of like, this band meets this band or do you think like a descriptive sort of genre type of like, you know, which one, which one do you think is more effective? Or I guess maybe it's a case by case basis, but like, yeah, I mean, it's probably case by case. I think it's gotta be a little bit of a and a little bit of B. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, here's the genre, you know, here's what, you know, and, and the challenge is if you're sitting in the barber chair and you're in a metalcore band, Obviously, there's metalcore barbers, but, you know, most of the people, they're not going to have any of that frame of reference. And in fact, for many of the artists that, you know, the bands that we work with are are influenced by or want to sound like, they're not common named bands or not, you know, they just don't, you know, again, I'm sitting there thinking about the regular barber that I go to. Yeah. Who, you know, a guy, guy's got, 
you know, he knows music on a, on a much larger scale, but is not going to know probably even who the Deftones are, or even if he knows the name, he probably hasn't actually heard their music. So I think you've got to be able to do a little bit of both to not only describe the genre, but what makes what you do, you know, what makes up, why are you in that genre? And then, yeah, you've got to find some references to bands because ultimately, even once you describe it, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're probably looking at you like, what did you just say? Right. And then you've got to be able to find some sort of bands that hopefully they, they can at least have some idea of. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're talking to someone like myself, right. Or you to whenever I go like, Oh, like, what does your band sound like? You know, if you did tell me like, Oh, we're like a Pantera meets post Malone. Okay. You've piqued my interest, right? I'm, I'm, I'm curious what that sounds like. Um, I'll unveil to you uh, a little bit of my personal insecurity when it comes to this. Like throughout my life, I've always sort of been like not uh, like not hyped on or not not open. Like whenever someone goes like, oh, like you're a musician because I look like a musician or whatever, long hair, tattoos. I, you know, I guess that's the question. Like, oh, you must be a musician. I always say no. Like I'm not. Like I'm in. I'm in finance. Like I just look crazy. Like because <laughs> because I don't want to get into the conversation of like, oh, what kind of music do you play? Oh, I play heavy metal. Oh, what band are you in? Oh, I'm in this band. Oh, I, I haven't heard of that. Or you know what I mean? Like especially like yeah. coming up. Like like oh, I, I'm in this band and we kind of like like I always just kind of wanted to avoid those types of conversations. You know. Um, however, I don't believe it. And keep in mind too that I eventually became like a hired gun guy, and and then it's like now whenever someone goes like, "Oh, you're a musician," yeah, sometimes it depends, and like and they go, "Oh, what band are you in?" Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, I've heard of that. Like you know what I mean? It's like less of of a daunting conversation. But like I feel like if you're listening to this podcast and you're an up and comer, you have to have an answer to this question of specifically what it is that you sound like that is engaging to the person that you're having a conversation with. Like you don't want to overdo it, make it some epic paragraph of where you're even confused of what it is that you sound like to where you're searching for an identity. You should be very crystal clear. And in most cases, I find that if it's like, oh, we're like so-and-so meets so-and-so, that's helpful because it's a point of reference that the average person can latch on to. Yeah. And and not to you know belabor this point, but I found and I won't use the band or the name to, uh, uh, to, to describe it, but this is the band that essentially said, you know, they were Post Malone meets the Deftones. And so we said they utilize rhythmic, distorted guitar tones over trap beats driven by aggressive vocals with a natural flow. Yeah. And now, mind you, they were really, they were really, uh, adamant about their lyrical content being something that separated them. So we talked about the approach to the lyrical content was a balance of honesty and wit and their unorthodox sound is deserving of its own moniker. And then they dubbed themselves. They came up with some moniker that I don't think ever took off, but yeah, it was really, it was a challenge to get there, you know? And Again, if you walk in and say, oh, well, you know, I'm in a band that utilizes rhythmic, distorted guitar Man. tones over trap beats driven by aggressive vocals with a natural flow, no. that's not going to work, right? But from there, we use, you know, we got down to that level and then started to add in the things that made it relatable. Yeah. But, you know, so again, I'm not even saying that this is the 
the best thing to do. For me, it was just such a fascinating exercise. Um, anytime someone said a band, I sort of did what you just did. Like, eh, you couldn't use a band. What, you know, what are you doing with your guitar? Well, it's like this band. No, you can't do that. I had them have to really get down to something that uh, was at its core level. So, you know, if you guys are out there, think about this stuff. But again, don't overthink it because at some point you've got to make sure that the whoever you're talking to has has some frames of reference. For sure. Uh, number two, listening ears. Keep your listening ears on. Don't just wait for the next pause to submit more evidence about how awesome you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> right on, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. This is one thing that I know has taken me a long time to really wrap my head around. You know, if somebody asks you a question, you know, you kind of want to like give them as much information in as little a time as possible. Yeah. You know, it's like, I want to spit it all out so I don't inconvenience them with talking for five hours. But, you know, it's like, mm, you know, maybe that's not the best approach. And so I, I do think that's right. Kind of pausing and letting the other person sort of collect themselves with what you've given them and then respond is surely, uh, it's, a, it's a nice little reminder. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, it, it's quality over quantity, you know, in this, like, I understand that you're excited about your music and, and you probably are more passionate about it than anyone on the outside is going to be. So sometimes it just kind of comes out of you, right? Like you just can't help it because you're so excited. Like you just went to rehearsal and you guys just jammed out the song for the first time. And it's so exciting and you can't wait to tell everybody about it. But, um, but I feel like reserve those moments for the right time in general, it's quality over quantity when it comes to being descriptive about your band and about your music and about what you've got planned. Right. And, and, and always being, always being humble, I think is very important. Uh, one good question. Conversations rely on back and forth. And that means you're going to need to get the other person to open up. If you're prepared for the conversation, for instance, if you want to talk to a particular festival or label or promoter, be ready with the most pressing question. Yeah, that's kind of cool to think about. And then, you know, what is that pressing question yeah. in any given instance? You know, do you have much experience with this? I mean, I, I think it's like if more or less how I'm sort of interpreting this is if your person coming up and you're fortunate enough to be in the room with someone that could potentially change your life, a label or a promoter or a manager or festival, you, you know, promoter, whatever. Um, if you're, if you're given the opportunity to ask them one question, make sure that it's a couple of things. One, to make it sound, to make it feel like you're asking an intelligent question, right? One, and so, so that you get some value out of the answer, right? And then two, so the person that you're asking the question to doesn't think that you're an idiot, right? So like, you know, I mean, kind of think about this and especially it's like, I mean, look, it's, is it more or less if you're getting in front of a person like this, it's not necessarily always random. Like you, you could think about this ahead of time if you know that you're going to be in front of a promoter or manager or whatever, or label. Um, you know, think about the one most important question that 
gives you value and makes you conversely seem valuable to them. Um, and you know, wh- whatever that is, I mean, it's just like, you know, Mike, if like, if I'm in the room with you and I'm up upcoming band and you're, you know, you're a manager, you can, you can make things happen, right? I've got a label, I've got, I've managed, managed successful bands and I've done this. I've got all these years of experience, you know, what's the one thing I'm going to ask you? What, what is, what is, what makes you hyped right now? Mike, like, what are you most excited about right now? Like in the business, right? Or what did this band that you used to manage or that you're currently managing, what was the tipping point for them? That would be a great question, right? Like from your experience or even from your experience, whether it's a band you work with or not, what have you seen be a consistent tipping point for other bands, right? That would be a big Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I like the idea of, you know, when you pinpoint something that someone's actually been involved in, um, cause it shows you've done a little bit of research at the very least, um, you know, and it's probably going to, uh, allow the person being asked a question to, to want to give a response. You know, the other thing that I would say is, you know, don't make it too serious and in-depth, if you will, like not looking for specifics. I know, <laughs> you know, it's always so funny. I, I always think about this one conversation I had with, you know, I was out with, um, some friends who do, you know, they work in completely different walks of life. And the one thing that they really just wanted to know was how an arena level concert, how the finances worked, you know, like for whatever reason, that was what their hearts were set on. And, you know, it was fun for me to be able to kind of, you know, I can't speak on the arena level, uh, but I could speak on the club level and then, you know, probably make some educated guesses on how those numbers multiply. Um, But you know, so that was fun for us. But if I was the owner of a festival, I wouldn't really want to be asked about certain specific monetary things. Um, so that's just one of the, one of the, you know, kind of, as you're thinking through these questions, nobody wants to be asked stuff that kind of puts them too much on the spot or has to give up, you know, sort of details that are privileged information. You know, I would suggest sort of like you said, more experiential type of things. What, you know, like you did um, with a new level, you know, many of those questions were getting people to kind of speak in a general way about their experiences. Yep. And look, as far as concert finances go, keep your expenses lower than your income and you'll always be, you know, you'll always be in the black, you'll be partying. And, and, (laughs) and, and on the arena level, it's the exact same thing, just way more zeros. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Number four, a clear ambition. Stating your specific goals can be very helpful for the other person in the conversation. Then they can quickly determine if, how, and when they could help you. One time I went out for drinks with the music manager. I wanted her to manage my band, but I didn't know if she was considering it. At some point, she asked what we wanted over the next six months. I hesitated to book a national tour, to start recording our next record, radio play. Mm, We had a good chat and stayed friends, but she didn't end up managing my band. Yeah, that's that's a pretty spot on example, um, <laughs> you know, and I think it's it's very poignant. It's it's like, yeah, you you need to, you know, you, we've talked about this ad nauseum, you know, and, and again, if they're talking about managers, you know, it's like 
we as managers are looking for something that's already working and how can we come in and make it work on a larger level with the experience that we bring to the table. And so in that case, it's like, yeah, they didn't, you know, they didn't have any indication of what was working and what they were trying to do on their own. So that person might be able to look and say, oh, I can add value here. Um, and so I think that's a really, really smart, you know, way to, to, for, for him to point this out with the clear ambition. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's nothing worse than fumbling over that. Like if you're, if you have an opportunity to be in someone and they're asking you very specific questions about where you see your band and like, and, and also too, you know, having it's more, but it's more keeping it realistic right? Like there's nothing more frustrating than sitting down with a a younger band and just go like, Hey, like, you know, what's the projection? You know, where, where, how do you see, where do you see this going and how do you see it getting there? And, you know, you can't think of like, well, world domination, like that can't be the answer. Like, you know, just fucking all the way arenas, like, you know, no sleep till arena land. Like those can't be the answers, right? Like, it's got to be something tangible and realistic of like, look, our expenses are X, Y, and Z, right? Like we, we have, we have rehearsal, we have strings, we have drumsticks, right? We, this is our basic core expenses. What a, what a logical, realistic goal would be is how do we get this band to at the beginning cover our bare necessity expenses so that we're not paying to be in this band where this band can justify this endeavor, right? And justify this passion, justify this hobby or whatever. Like I think at first, whenever you're starting out, the first goal, like the first point of, uh, of accomplishment should be making the band pay for itself. And how do I get there? What what are the things that I can do to get to the point to where we can cover our and our basic level expenses? Yeah, and I mean, just looking back at this, you know, it, when he hesitates and says, "Oh, to book a national tour?" Question mark. You know, it could be okay. We just did a week of regional dates. We want to expand on that. You know, we want to double the length of time we were out. We went out for a week. We want to go out for two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, something that is again, very tangible and very realistic based on the experience that you've already had. You know, you and I talk about this all the time. It's like, yeah, if somebody comes in and says world domination, it's like, okay, well, what have you done to dominate anything? Right. (laughs) If you haven't, if you haven't shown that you can dominate anything, how are you going to dominate the world? And so I think, uh, you know, and again, where you said of just covering the expenses is, you know, sometimes it's like, I even gloss over that. It's like, you're right. You know, that's a really, really, really good first goal and ambition to have. Yep. Number five, thick skin. Good friends can make bad music. People you never want to work with create amazing songs. And that's just the shallow end of the pool. The Beatles were turned down by a surprising amount of labels before one finally said yes. Keep going, keep asking, keep saying hi, and keep making friends. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of it, the the underlying like hope part of his article, which 
you know, look, you and I talk about this all the time because it's been our experience. You're going to have doors shut in your face, opportunities that start to materialize, sometimes fade away. And you nor I would be where we were if we didn't just keep going. Thankfully, you know, we've talked about this podcast started because, you know, you and me and a couple of the people used to hop on the phone every week. That was part of us leaning into our community because you run your own company. I run my own company. We kind of wanted to have some resources. Like you don't have to do this stuff alone. If you're out there in a band, you know, find your tribe, find your people that are going to be able to help you keep going, help you keep asking help you keep saying hi and help you keep making friends. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree, you know, wholeheartedly. Um, you know, and I would even also like add to this, um, you know, keep making friends, keep saying hi, but keep the conversation going, right? Like, you know, just keep, stay out there. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this because I think it's kind of in line with what we're talking about. And it's from Seth Godin's, um, uh, blog, and this is from today's. And he says, ideas spread from person to person horizontally because someone who encountered an idea cared enough to spread the word, to talk about it, to insist that friends and colleagues pay attention, if just for a moment. If you can figure out how to embrace the true fans, they'll go ahead and spread an idea, not because you want them to, but because they want to. Your ability to reach a tiny group of committed fans is essential, but the work spreads because of the fans, not because you figured out how to spend money to interrupt more and more strangers. So I thought that was on yeah. point. <laughs> Which is awesome. And regardless of whether it's Seth Godin, who you and I are both fans of, or something else, I think the point is even greater that Blasco's referencing something that he reads most likely daily to keep himself going. Yeah, right. For sure. It we all find no matter what level we're at, you you know, we're looking for our places of motivation and our ways to feel connected. So, I think that's awesome that you read that and even more awesome that yeah, you're willing to say, look, these are things even at the level that you and I are at, we're doing day in and day out. So, if you're out there, you know, and you're and you're struggling, um, you know, and and, and even time to time if if you know, if you find your your skin's getting a little thin, realize that, that, you know, there's, there's tools that you can tap into to rethicken. Yeah. That. Well said, my friend. And that concludes episode 114. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, final parting thoughts? Once again, thanks to everyone out there in loyal listener land for bearing with us as our schedules have uh, wreaked a little bit of havoc on us doing this each and every week like we like to do. Uh, so, you know, appreciate you guys uh, and your patience. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And if you're looking at taking your career a little bit further, check out what we have to offer over at OuterLoopCoaching.com. Otherwise, uh, thank you, Blasco, for leading us through another fantastic episode. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Peace.
It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Paul from Outer Loop Coaching and OuterloopCoaching.com, and I'm here to answer the question, should you sign to a record label? Record labels no longer monopolize the means of distribution, so do you need them? First, let me explain what I just said. Record labels no longer monopolize the means of distribution. What does this mean? It means that back in the day, the only way that people could buy your music is if your music was in the stores. The only music that was in the stores had to go through a distributor. The distributor would only work with record labels. So how did you get your music into the stores? unless you did a consignment deal with every single record store in the entire world, which nobody could do, you had to go to a record label, get them to sell your album to a distributor, get them to sell your album to the store, to get them to sell your album to your fans. That's not how it works anymore. How it works now is you. That means you, the musician. That means you, the manager. That means you, the person right close to the music being made, can then upload the music to all of the streaming sites and the music is available for people to stream almost right away. There is no middleman with the distributor, no middleman with the record label anymore. So why, why would you work with a record label? Down below, if you're watching on YouTube, Put in the comments, do you want a record deal? Is it something you are focusing your career on? What are you doing to make a record label unnecessary? Put in the comments, and if you're not interested in commenting, at least come by and see what people are saying. It's gonna be really interesting to read. If you're on YouTube, go over to your favorite podcast catcher, make sure you're subscribed to the Managemental Podcast. It's the best music business podcast in the world. And guess what? They upload that thing to the internet themselves. It's the most awesome thing. All right, so what does a record label in the 21st century provide? It provides an experienced team working for your success. That means a handful of people who have experience in different aspects of the record business who are working towards making your career successful so that they can make money. That's the important thing, right? They have to know that they're going to make money with your music, so they're going to do their best to sell it to an audience, an audience beyond what you've been able to provide, or an audience that's exactly the audience that you're bringing to the table, and that's all they're going to do. They're also going to, the record label is also going to have relationships it can leverage for opportunities for you. Leverage relationships that you do not have. Relationships that you might never get the chance to have. Relationships that they've been nurturing for perhaps decades. People who have access to 
other media who have access to audiences, who have access to festivals, access to booking agents, access to different aspects of the industry that they can leverage for your benefit. Industry and audience validation, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that even now, when the means of distribution are in the hands of everyone, it still matters to a large number of people inside the industry and inside the audience that you have been validated by somebody before they will give you the time of day. And that role has historically been filled by the record label. So that is another thing the record label can provide, a track record of working with really great musicians, with really great track uh, uh, music, and therefore you might be able to do the same, and that's why they'll give you the time of day, that's why they'll give you the chance. A record label also can have a history of mistakes that they have learned from so that you won't make them. This is important. Every time you put out an album or an EP is an opportunity for you to make mistakes. And if you haven't had the chance to learn from these mistakes in the past, you may make them now. A record label hopefully has learned from all the mistakes they've made from releasing albums in the past. And they can leverage those lessons to your benefit. Now, Build your career so none of these things are necessary. And no, you'll never have to sign to a record label. Make it so that you do not need their industry relationships. You do not need an experienced team because maybe you've got one that you've built for yourself. Maybe it is that you don't need the industry or audience validation because people have fallen in love with you without it. Make it so that you can make releases, release your album or EP and not make big mistakes. Here's a hint. Release it right at outerloopcoaching.com. Might be a way, just might be a way to do that. So if you can get all these things done, you may not need a record label. It's still worth considering because perhaps on your own, you can only get here, but with this awesome team of people behind you, you can get here, guess what? There is a history of people signing bad record deals that get them down to here, down to the floor, ruining themselves. So make sure that you sign a great deal. Go to a lawyer first. Go to a lawyer first. Make sure they read it, okay? This is Paul from Outer Loop Coaching. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for your time. You watch all the way to the end. You listen all the way to the end. I can't believe it. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Come visit me at OurLoopCoaching.com. I'll see you next week. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.